The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to give a shout out to all our set up and tear down folks. Thank you for uh, making the yeah. Thank you guys. <clears throat> thank you every week for turning this into this. When the chairs don't make it to church, what makes it the church is when you're here. Um, and we are the church, and so we have church everywhere we go. But I want to thank uh, our setup team. I mean, their goal, their function, their mission is to create an environment um, for you to encounter Jesus. Every week, our goals are simple. It is to make Jesus clear and to love you. And if we can accomplish those things, we can get a lot of things out of the way and uh, avoid a lot of messes, we'll say. Um, We can find messes, but if we can do those things well, we avoid a lot of those messes. So I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, we're glad you're here. Um, In that worship guide that Kelly so beautifully walked you through uh, with the announcements, um, we have an information card. If you would fill that out um, just to the level of your comfort so we can get some information to you and some information about who we are. Uh, We've got a lot going on. And uh, we're excited because God is calling us together uh, to change this community, to change this city, to change the state, to change the nation, to change the world. And, and, and that starts even within our own homes. That starts in this room. So I'm, I'm grateful you chose to come to the creek today. There's a lot of great churches that you passed on your way here. So um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 21. Oh, and then on, on those uh, guest cards, let me tell you what to do with them. After you fill them out, um, there's a giving station on your way out. If you'll just drop those in, uh, that's where you can put uh, for our, our members, guests, regular tenders. If you are going to be giving, that's where we give our tithes and offerings. You can also give online, by the way. It's a lot easier. That's the way I do it because I don't carry a checkbook. Um, that's dangerous. Uh, of course, there's not many places that you could write a check. Everybody behind me in line goes, oh. So I got a check card. So I'm still dangerous. Um, But we're going to be in Acts chapter 21. Um, We're going to be dealing with an issue today, submitting to God's will. This is actually a two-part message um, in Acts 21. Now, let me set some ground rules and some framework for this teaching today. We are not going to solve all the questions and issues surrounding God's will. There is a... uh, I spend a lot of time, and I know you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's God's will, and, and, and we end up breaking that down to... Uh, what job, what person uh, to marry, what do we do next in our career. And we we start to associate those things with God's will. And the the problem that we find ourselves in is we spend most of our time trying to figure out what God's will is instead of submitting to it. And and it's really true. Let, Let me help you with something. Fully submitting to God's will is better than knowing it. There's a lot of us, me included, um, I'm, I'm now 12 years in ministry. We were talking about this yesterday during the setup. If you notice, you saw people stopping on that video. There's also a lot of community that gets built, a lot of conversations. I don't know if you t- saw the two statues over in that doorway for quite a while. Some of you are going to stay for the next service just so you can see it. I'm going to confess that was me. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm a talker, if you don't know that. Um, and so we're over there talking, and we're actually talking about ministry and an idea and things like that. And somebody came over and goes, hey, you guys are on camera, and you're going to look really awkward standing still for so long. And we're like, oh, so, so we moved out into the hall. We didn't finish the conversation. We moved out in the hall. So, <laughs> but I also, the setup and tear down, thank you for letting me pastor and shepherd, and you guys do so much. I, I love that. I love being a part of our setup and tear down team. We have jokes that are now th- almost four years old, and they never get old. 
I mean, you pull, we have a joke for almost everything we move in this building and almost everything we pull out of the trailer. It's just that fun. So if you want to join us, 10 a.m. on Saturdays, man, it's great. So uh, the safest place to be is in God's will. The idea of fully knowing and fully submitting to God's will, for, for most of us, and I, where I started, I've been in ministry for 12 years. We were talking about it yesterday. And uh, 12 years ago, this time, um, God had, I was working in a corporate environment, and I had to have surgery. And God had been really been working on my heart. And uh, that's when uh, really just the, the confirmation of God's call of ministry in my life came to a reality um, through a very incredible testimony of, of how God brought it together and the confirmation within that, that, that call. If God 12 years ago would have shared even the last year that we've experienced in ministry, it would probably kill me. I, my mind could not contain it. For most of us, if God were to show us his will for our life, most of us couldn't understand it. Most of us wouldn't engage in it because we don't want to understand it. Because you've got to understand something. God's will is not always roses and nice paths and, and yellow brick roads. God's will leads us into suffering. God's will leads us into pain. God's will leads us into the desert. He also leads us by still waters and green pastures, yes. But God's will encompasses all of that because God knows all of that will accomplish His purpose for His glory and to be able to shape and mold our character and our holiness and our godliness. And most of us at the beginning of a journey would not be able to understand that process. And so what we've got to do is understand we've got to fully submit to God's will. It's God, I'm in. Here, I'm signing my name to the check and I'm handing it to you. You fill in the amount. That's a scary thing. I mean, if, if, if I were to give the, have the ability to be given a blank check and they say whatever amount you want, I can dream. And I have the interweb to help me dream. There's all kinds of toys on there for guys. I've been spending the last couple of days on truck uh, websites because I have to order parts. I've turned into not the shade tree mechanic this week, but the cold mechanic sitting in his garage. I'm stubborn. I'm going to figure out how to get this thing back together. But, I, I mean, think about it. My imagination and creativity only goes so far when I hand... God, my life, and say, I fully submit to you. He does more than we can ask or imagine. He not only gives us more than we can ask or imagine, he leads us into places that are, are deeper, bigger, higher, farther than we ever could ask or imagine. And so fully submitting to God's will before we know it is key. And, and let me help you. God's will for everyone on the planet, everyone born of man or born of woman, has the same will. God's will for everyone is for everyone to submit to God's will. That's that. I mean, even before we know what it is. So what does that look like? God's will for all of us is for us to submit to Jesus. You know, the, the cross is a reconciler. The blood of Christ is a reconciler. God's will is that none should perish, but all come to repentance that he desires every one of us to submit to Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He desires for us, to, for that gospel to transform our lives in such a way that it moves us farther into his will, that we share that gospel, that we spread that gospel, that we go into the world with the message that he's given us of hope and reconciliation. 
God's will for every one of us is to praise Him and Him alone, to worship Him and Him alone. God's will for us is to read our Bible. Why? Because that's the way He speaks to us. So many of us sit here with this open book and go, I never hear from God. Start reading. Oh my gosh, this is God's character that pours out. How do you know God? Jesus is the fullness of all God's glory. Read the Gospels. How do you know the character of God? Look at Jesus. What's God like? Read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. God is constantly speaking to his people. His will is for all of us to hear his voice and obey his voice. You see, we, we want to we wanna move to the, we, we want to bypass these things because we think, well, that's elementary, Matt. I feel more mature in my, in my, my walk with the Lord. You know, every one of us have to start with this. Two plus two equals four. We want to do calculus. I, I, I can't even spell calculus, much less do it. My daughter's and is going to have to go there, and I can't help her. Parents, you know it's getting tough when your kids progress to the point where you can no longer help them in school. You're like, well, what? let's consult the book, right? Is there an example? Dear Lord, help me. Aren't the odd answers in the back? <laughs> but we want to. We want God to give us calculus, and He said, "I'll fry your brain if I do." He told Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above yours. And we're like, God, reveal your thoughts to me. He's like, you'll melt. You'll be in the fetal position, a blubbering mess, begging for me to just bring you home. It's important for us to submit to God's will and do the things we know to do so he can reveal the next things. And here's what we've got to understand. God's going to get his will done no matter what. Here's where we get to decide. I get to decide whether it's done with tears on my face or tears on my face or a smile. So when, when my daughter, Abby, and she, she was hard-headed. She gets that from me. Um, but those of you parents in this struggle, the car seat. You know the car seat, especially when it's nap time. And that child... Okay, you are three times their size, and for whatever reason, they can make their body so rigid, you cannot bend it into that car seat. Your will for them is to get into that car seat, right? And you are going to get your will, right? Now, you're going to get it with that kid screaming, or you're going to get it with that kid laughing. God gives us the choice, my will for you, and think about it, the car seat safety, right? I mean, I know I grew up, I could stand on the dashboard, you know, and just, we're in just a different time. So this preaches to the to you younger folk. I mean, my time in the car was standing in the middle. My, my, my seatbelt was dad's arm around me. My airbag was when it went in front of me when he slammed on the brakes, man. You know, the best thing you knew how to do as a kid riding in the car is learn how to take a fall. But so the times they haven't changed, right? Um, you don't go outside without your helmet now. Um, and if kids, if you ride your bikes, you need to wear your helmets and all that and listen to your mom and daddy. But you guys get what I'm saying. God's will is the safest place to be, even if he leads us to the most dangerous place on the face of the planet. And the most dangerous place to be is outside of God's will, even if that is in what we think is the safest place on the planet. 
And God's going to get his will done. And our choice in that is we do it with a smile on our face or tears in our eyes. I would much rather do it with a smile on his face because, see, God is sovereign, and his will does not depend on you or I. He lets us play along. He gives us the opportunity to do it with joy. And he gives us that joy as we move and submit and surrender in his will. So the, the first thing I want to tell you is God will never tell you his will so you can decide whether you want to do it or not. So many of us come into church every week. So many of us pray. We read our Bible. And we're like, God, show me your will. Show me your will. And, and I think there's an earnestness in our heart desiring to know God's will. But, but in, our, in our flesh, we're also making the decision, but I'm going to decide if I'm going to do it or not. Launching a church has been one of the hardest things I've ever done. And God didn't say, I'm going to do this and give you a choice. God said, you're going to do it. It's going to be fun and pleasurable, or you're going to do it. And, it's, and you're going to have to learn, and you're going to get it done. God's not going to tell you who to marry. God's not going to tell you what job so you can decide whether or not you want to take it or not. God begins to reveal his will. God does not submit to us. We need to learn that. That's two plus two. God does not submit to us. When we look at the Apostle Paul, we're going to be in Acts 21. So if you got your Bible, uh, let's get there. If you don't have one, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. Um, if you don't own one, write your name in that. That's our gift to you. If you've got a smart device, you can find us on Version. Uh, we even have a live tab where you can get the notes and fill-ins and all that stuff. You'll actually see the fill-ins before, so don't, don't let your neighbor cheat off of you. Okay? I will grade the Scantrons at the end of the day. Um, but we look at the Apostle Paul. When, when Paul had the, the Damascus Road experience, the Apostle Paul was Saul, and, and he was converted. Uh, he was prosecuting or persecuting the church. He was overseeing the, the, the stonings of Christians. He was doing everything he can to squash the church. And the futility of Paul's mission at that point, you cannot kill what God is doing. You may be able to take some people out, but you will not kill what God is doing. Remember, God does not submit to us. God is going to get his will done. And so what he does, he shows up and he, he has a conversation with Paul. Blinding light experience on the road to Damascus. At that point, Paul submitted to Jesus as his Lord and Savior and Master and said, I submit my life to you. And we find Paul in Acts 21. We've seen him go through his missionary journeys. And he's on this missionary journey. And we're going to see Paul's submission to God's will and how that plays out. What I hope for us is that we, we are a church that says yes to God's will before we know what it is. That we don't start trying to discern the will of God and say, I don't want to do that. That looks too hard. That looks too messy. That looks too difficult. Or that doesn't look exciting enough. That doesn't look glamorous enough. We've got to submit to God's will before we know what it is. And Paul is an excellent example of this submission. The best example is Jesus himself. Before Jesus was crucified, he was in the garden, he was praying. And his prayer was, Lord, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. Jesus knew the road he was going to walk. Jesus is fully God. He saw it all. And he said, I still submit my will for yours. God may call us into some of the hardest, most difficult situations, but let me tell you, there's joy 
There's contentment. There is peace in the middle of that difficulty because you're in the middle of the safest place you can be in all of creation, and that is in God's will. So Jesus submits himself. Just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's not God's will. I hear people say, ah, well, you know, that's a little too hard. Launching this church has been difficult. Pastoring this church has been difficult. The process we've been going through the last several months, trying to, trying to get the, the new facility to a point where we can actually get construction started, has not been easy. There have been meetings. There have been, been so much work, so many man hours, so many, time, so many hours on our knees, on our face before God saying, show me. Give me your peace. Lead me with your peace. Unless your presence goes before us, we're not moving. It has not been an easy process. It would be easy at the beginning to say that looks too hard, so it must not be God's will. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not God's will. Let's, let's get into here, uh, into Acts 21. We'll be at verse 6. Um, see, Paul had already submitted himself to God's will. Here's verse 1. After we had torn ourselves away from them, now what, let, let me bridge that gap, because when Scripture was originally written, there weren't chapter and verse delineations. These were continuous books. They were continuous letters, and these were put in later for reference. Well, torn themselves away from them. Remember when Paul last week was on the island of Miletus, and he met with the Ephesian elders, and that, uh, that connection and bond they had, that as they departed, he said, you'll never see my face again. They wept together. They hugged. They embraced each other. And then they let him board the ship. And Luke says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kaz. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Now, what does that mean? See, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Paul that you will go to Jerusalem, that you will go to Rome. Ultimately, you will die for the gospel. So he runs into disciples that say, hey, through the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit told Paul, this is, what, this is what's going to happen. So here you've got disciples that say, through the Spirit, they urged him not to go on to Jerusalem. Perhaps the Holy Spirit revealed to those disciples, hey, Paul's coming into town, and Paul's got a difficult road ahead of him. Paul's not only going to go to Jerusalem and go and bring the gospel and encouragement to the church at Jerusalem. He's going to actually visit Jesus' half-brother James and bring encouragement to the church in Jerusalem. He's also going to go preach at Caesar's palace. Not the one in Las Vegas, the one in Rome. The buffet's probably better. Never mind. Um, and so perhaps the Holy Spirit revealed this to the disciples. But what do they do? They urge Paul, don't go on. It's going to be hard, so therefore, Paul, this must not be God's will for you. When God reveals to you someone else's path, you need to fully submit to God. Even submit your will to God's will for their life. Perhaps this was given so these disciples could be an encouragement to Paul. Paul, we know this is going to be difficult ahead. Man, we want to pray for you. What can we do to help you? We have people in our church that are walking through difficult situations. Our hope and our prayer and our arms around them is, what can we do for you? Instead of, ah, this must not be God's will because this is hard. 
But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. So Paul is compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And you've got people saying it must be difficult. Don't go. Let's go on. Verse 7. We continued on our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. We saw Philip about, we saw him earlier in our journey of Acts. That was about 20 years ago. We, we encountered Philip. Philip's just an ordinary dude. Okay, Philip uh, was, had a calling on his life to go to Caesarea. Hey, go get a job and preach the gospel. Go share the gospel with people in Caesarea. So that's what he did. The evangelist, one of the seven, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So you've got a man who's obedient to the will of God that wasn't, hey, go with Paul and travel the known world and preach the gospel, and you're going to see incredible miracles. You're going to see all these things happen. You're going to experience hardship and difficulty. But here's what I want you to do, Philip. I want you to go be a good husband. I want you to be the man I've created you to be. I want you to go to work every day. I want you to work hard, and I want you to evangelize the people in your city to know the gospel. I want you to to be a good husband. I want you to be a good father. I want you to raise a family. Raise them in the ways of the Lord. Teach them the ways of the Lord. Minister to your family. And some of us think, well, Philip got the short end of the stick, man, because Paul gets to go travel, and Philip goes to Caesarea. Let me help you with this. God's will for most of us is not going to be this glamorous worldwide expedition. When we think that God's will for every one of us is to know Jesus and make him known. That happens, it starts in the home. And God's will for most of us in our life, hey, men, be a good man. Be a good husband. Be a good father. Ladies, be, a, be the woman God's created you to be. If you're married, be a good wife. If you're not married yet, when that time comes, be a good wife. When kids come in, be a good mother. Kids, we're all kids. Be good sons, be good daughters, be obedient. And in everything, spread the gospel to everyone around you. See, here's the thing about Philip. He paid for a lot of these expeditions for Paul. You see, we look at Paul and say, well, he's out traveling and doing God's will. The reality is there's a cost to that. And without people like Philip who are being obedient in their jobs, People like Philip who are obedient into giving to the mission of the kingdom. God's going to get his will done. But let me tell you, Paul might have been in a lot more hardship. Because God designs us to help take care of things. He says, I'm trusting you with all of this. He trusted Philip with a job, and with the ability to give, and Philip gave. He was obedient with that. And he helped underwrite a lot of Paul's journeys. So Philip's calling was not boring. You can't be bored following God. If you're following God and you're bored, let's, let's do a checkup. Let's figure out if you're on that right route. So you've got Philip, four daughters who prophesied. Um, Acts 10 and 11. After we had been there a uh, number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down for G- from Judea. Now, we met Agabus back in Acts chapter 11. He's the doom gloom guy. If he's coming, you kind of want to kind of go the other way. The first time we saw him, he was, he was prophesying a famine. 
you know, and he's getting ready to bring some news to Paul. He's that type of guy that when you come, you're like, oh, would you look at that time? I got to go. You know the people who anytime the phone rings, anytime you see the email, you don't need to start reading. You know it's going to be hard news. Agabus is one of those dudes, man. He was a prophet. He was prophesying. And here's what happens. He comes up to Paul. Great news for Paul. Not really. The prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Great to see you too, Agabus. I mean, it's not a handshake or a hug or fist bump or anything. It, it's it's Agabus, Agabus walking up, taking the belt off of Paul. Now, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, something is weird. You know, somebody get me out of here. Ain't nobody watching my back. So he takes his belt off and he binds his hands. He said, in the same way, when you get to Jerusalem, the Jews are going to bind the owner of this belt. Just because something is difficult does not mean it's not God's will. Agabus is preparing Paul. Hey, this is what's coming. You've been obedient and submitted to God's will that has led you to here. And that obedience and submission, here's the next step. When you get there, this is what's going to happen. And Paul was fully prepared to do it. Um... When we heard this, this is Luke writing this. Luke also wrote the gospel according to Luke. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Luke, who authored the book of Acts, all the miracles, all the experiences with Jesus. I love this. We kind of look at the authors of the Bible as super dudes. These are like superheroes of faith. He's a man who struggles just like me, just like you. And he admits and he confesses, I don't get it. Paul, don't do this. And then Paul, I mean, think about Paul. Think about when you try, think about your experience and your journey. When you are submitted to God's will and you're like, God, I want to follow you. My heart is, is turned to you and I'm, I, I so want to please you and glorify you. And you have people telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give. Why are you giving your time to serve? I mean, it's just, you're just setting up chairs. You're just in a room with kids. You're just pouring coffee. You're just, you're just, you're just. You fill in the blanks. People minimize it to just this. You're serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are giving to the creator of the universe who owns all things and needs nothing. People aren't going to get that. And Paul says this to him. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? He's like, guys, you're killing me. This is, this. I, I can't take this anymore. I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. Let me tell you, this is a pivotal decision in, in the history of Christianity. This is a pivotal decision in every one of our lives sitting in this room that Paul would not be dissuaded, that Paul said, not only am I willing to go and be bound, but I'm willing to go and die for the gospel because I am fully submitted to God's will and that's the safest place I can ever be. I can stay here and hide, but that's dangerous. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to submit, and if it means death, so be it. Paul later pens these words, to live is Christ, to die is gain. While Paul, after he was bound and arrested and spent time in prison, he was in prison with Caesar's guards. I mean, he could borrow Caesar's pen and write letters, and this, he writes four books of the Bible. He writes Philippians, the theme of Philippians, joy. He writes Ephesians, oh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that salvation is by grace and grace alone. It's not of our hands, lest we should boast. Oh, that has encouraged me incredibly throughout my journey of faith. He wrote Colossians. Colossians, one of my favorite books of the New Testament. The first chapter talking about the supremacy of Christ. That he holds all things together in his hands. That all things were created by him and for him. And he is the fullness of God's glory wrapped in flesh. He wrote Philemon. You want to talk about ending slavery. He writes Philemon a letter and says, Your slave has run away and he's with me. I'm sending him back to you. No longer will you treat him as a slave, but you will treat him as a brother. Had Paul said, you know what, you're right. I'm going to stay here. Our lives would be so different. Now, God would still get his will done, but it may look different. How many of those scriptures and those four books have encouraged you in a time of need or a time of trouble? Philippians, for the peace of God that transcends understandings will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. There is peace like no other. That's a pivotal decision. And let me tell you something with Paul, saying yes to God's will, and in your life, saying yes to God's will can make it easier for others to do it. They said yes. Paul said yes. They said the Lord's will be done. And then after this, get this, we, Luke, who didn't understand it, didn't get it, said we arrived, or we uh, heard this. We and the people there, um, I'm sorry, I'm saying, I'm seeing all these we's in my scripture here. after this we got ready and went up to Jerusalem some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason where we were to stay he was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples when you submit to God's will it makes it easier for others to submit Paul said no I will not be dissuaded by you and he said we and then some of the disciples there at Caesarea said we're in Parents, the best way for your kids to see what it looks like, the will of God, and you pray the will of God over their lives, let them see it. Submit to God's will. Let him shape your character. It's not just parents. It's not just husbands. It's not just mothers. If you're single, it's in your job. It's everywhere in life. Last week we talked about this this concept, good leaders are good followers. When you submit to the will of God, you are following Jesus. That makes it easier for people who are watching you to follow Jesus. They're not following you, they're following Jesus. So when we say yes, it sets an example. Let's set the example. I did something a little elementary in your notes. My first girlfriend was caught this way. I like you, do you like me? Check yes or no. I'm making light of this, but this is a real gut check and a soul check. But will you submit yourself to God and His will? For some of you, it might be no. And that's okay. This isn't a pressure to get every one of you to check yes. 
the goal in this question is to really understand where you're at. Because, see, I don't know if you ever received one of those notes as a kid in elementary school, fourth grade, passing notes, Miss Alford's class. Got taken up, embarrassed. Still got the girl. And when you write that note, and when you receive that note, it makes you really think, do I like this person? Do I like like this person? Do I love this person? When God asks you that question, will you submit to me and my will? We have to really take a check. Do I just like Jesus? Or am I, am I just submitted and madly in love with the creator of the universe? That I'm willing to go where he says to go and do what he says to do no matter what. My prayer is that we be a church that says yes and submit to God's will even before we know what it is. Fear is not going to stop us. God has given not given us a spirit of fear, but peace, love, and a sound mind. So how do we do this? By doing what we know to do. What I know to do as a leader of a church is love, love you and make Jesus clear. What I know to do as a Christ follower to try to be the man, the husband, and father God's created me to be is to spend time in his presence, to get into his word, to worship the creator of all things and the owner and sustainer of life. We start with those things. And it's incredible how God starts to take not just this room, but he takes our heart, our life, and he starts to tear things down and build things up to create an environment in our life where the presence of God is so clear and so real and so incredible that we find ourselves in the middle of some of the craziest situations with the ultimate peace that we can't understand, but we know we're in the middle of God's will. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going we're to act out some prophetic drama. See, Agabus, when he took the belt off of Paul and tied him, that's called prophetic drama. We see that in the Old Testament. I mean, when Ezekiel, God called Ezekiel to preach, he said, you're going to preach while your wife, while you're preaching, your wife is going to die. And you are not allowed to cry. And the message that God was given to the, to the nation of Israel is that you have cheated on me with other gods, and when you die, I will not shed a tear. He did it with, with Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, here's the word. Now take off your clothes and walk naked down the street. That's not a ministry we're going to launch here at the creek. <laughs> the message is, I'm going to strip the Egyptians of everything they've used to try to to hold power over you. It's prophetic drama. We got it in the New Testament, baptism. We do baptisms here at the Creek. Fort Worth water ain't going to help you. It might hurt you more than it help you. But it's the action. Buried with Christ and raised to live and walk in newness of life. Communion. That does not turn into the blood and the body. It's symbols. It's prophetic drama that we participate in the body of Christ and we're going to do some prophetic drama through communion. And I'm going to pray for us that we can all be uh, people who will submit to God's will. And our ushers are going to get ready. And then we're going to do some family time with the communion table. Father, we love you. We thank you for your will, for it is good. We thank you for your, your sovereign nature that you get things done. And we thank you that you choose to use us. We are broken but redeemed. We are a mess but made beautiful by your blood. Thank you for choosing to work in us and through us. Thank you for your desire to create in us an atmosphere 
where your glory is so real, your presence is so real that we can live the lives you've created us to live and we can do the work you've given us to do. Lord, I pray that every one of us will submit even without knowing what it is. Lord, even for those in this room right now that are wrestling with, I can't. I don't know what's holding them back. You do. They do. And I pray in the tenderness of their heart in this moment that you just, you speak to them. You encourage them. You put your loving arms around them as only a a beautiful, perfect father can do. Lord, help us to be faithful with the simple things so you will lead us into the things that give you more glory, more honor, more fame. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.